0: Time once again for our broadcast, Good News and Better News, where we spend 22 minutes advancing the theory that life really does not suck. And now, here is our host, author, screenwriter, and podcastman, Jonathan Richard Kring. Even though I believe in God, I'm sure that just leaves him tickled, doesn't it? I always get. I always think it's funny when people say, "Well, I don't believe in God. I do believe in God." It's like, well, if you know if there really is a God, it's not really going to change his day that much just because you get all warm and fuzzy about him, or if you get all nasty. But even though I do, I do, I do, I do, I do believe in God. The Bible sometimes sure makes it damn hard to nurture that faith. What especially pisses me off are these Ten Commandments. Have you read them lately? If you haven't read them, please stay with me over the next few weeks and understand the difference of how faith exists and how religion evolves. How faith exists as a presence of our being and mind and how religion has evolved to make money on it. We're going to look at these Ten Commandments from the human perspective, because after all, they were not spoken to mountains. They were not spoken to bears. They were spoken to humans. And instead of looking at them as if they're golden tablets, from the high mountain. We're going to see how they fit with people. Overall, if you read these Ten Commandments, you realize actually how anti-human they end up being. And if God is our creator and he knows what we're like, the first thing that he's sure to be aware of from his experience in Eden, for instance, with that Pair of apple eaters (laughs) is that we human beings don't do well when we're told not to do something. Thou shalt not. If you want to set us up for a fall, which we did, by the way, then tell us something we shouldn't do. It's just too God damn tantalizing to pass up at that point don't eat that fruit not that one here try this one duck on it why why am i why are you so attracted to what we are told that we cannot have maybe it's because we're children yeah maybe it's just because we're kids that's what God said. He said, we're his children. Well, listen, Dad. <laughs> listen, Pops, if you want to impact your children, don't keep nagging, nagging at them about what you don't want them to do. Well, at least, I know. That's my opinion. So I wonder, what I want to do over the next few weeks is show you how you can still be a, a logical person, but still be a person of faith. Make quality choices and believe in something other than defeat without having to tie yourself to religious bondage. And a book, which by the way, is constantly reinventing itself as each new writer contributed. I'm talking about from Moses at the beginning all the way to John in the book of Revelation, it's, it's evolving towards understanding and mercy. But it's this first commandment from the 10 that just really cooks my grits. Is that what they say? <laughs> I guess it's because grits are hard to cook. That's why I buy instant grits. When I buy grits, I want to eat it. Anyway, I've gotten off the topic. Anyway. Anyway, do you remember that first commandment? I am the Lord your God. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. See, I know. I just know that God didn't write this. He didn't dictate this. Because the whole idea, the whole plot line here is hackneyed. It reads like a junior high composition. First of all, if you're you're the Lord our God, there aren't any other gods, right? Are you saying there's a variety of gods out there that we can pick and choose from? But when you're thinking about the God, don't forget us. Ridiculous. Here's why I think it should read. I made you, kid, so stop looking for anyone else who did because there isn't anyone else. How's that? Only a confused mortal who is trying to come up with commandments would write such a contradictory, insecure opening. If you're the Lord God, there are no other gods. So why are you warning me about them? But that commandment itself set in motion an avalanche of ignorant religious interpretation. I want to tell you, I've been to more churches than I ever maybe I should ever gone to. And after all these experiences, I can let you know that just simply by Sitting in a room and listening to someone pray, the way that person addresses God tells me for a fact whether he or she is bound up, progressive, frightened, ignorant, overly thoughtful, theological. Let me give you an example. We've all been in a room when someone has begun their prayer with the, about God by saying, Almighty, Almighty God, they say, with such pomp and circumstance and adding a little bit of put-on reverb in their voice. When I hear this, Almighty, I, I know this person thinks his or her Lord God is an Old Testament thundermeister. Usually these people <clears throat> clear their throats a lot, <clears> throat> get real serious, and they pray too long because they think their God, the Almighty One, admires length. Then you've got the people who begin their prayer with, Savior. These are the cross and blood people. They, When they go to church... They're only happy if they get communion and often just don't give a crap about the words that came out of Jesus' mouth. But they're pretty enamored with those when he said, it is finished. Sometimes I go to churches and they start off with healer. And I'll tell you, I know that this church is full of needy Neds and needy Nellies. In other words, the only true things get warmed up spiritually in their life when they're talking about the pain in their back or their upcoming biopsy on Wednesday at the hospital. I'm not trying to be cynical, I'm just getting you to understand that when you you lay 10 commandments on people, you turn them, you often turn them into a bunch of sticks who are afraid to move. And whose only entertainment is gossiping, gossiping, yes, gossiping about other folks who don't follow the 10 rules as well as they think they do. Uh oh, uh oh, I had just thought of another one. Sometimes people will pray, they'll go omnipotent. Anyone who starts a prayer that way thinks that he's a theologian, for the only people who use that word carry around concordances to build their muscles. Creator. Ah, These are the studious ones. How about those who go, Lord? Those who say Lord are usually into great levels of praise and worship. Of course, they forget that Jesus made the point that not everyone who says, Lord, Lord, (laughs) will enter the kingdom. Then, There's those who call him Father. I, I, honestly, I kind of like Father. But I got to be honest. Those who use it too often end up being lovey-dovey. They believe in grace. Grace is an admission that we ourselves are nothing, that God is everything. And Daddy God must come along and wipe our runny noses and put bandages on our skin. Knees. I am the Lord, your God. You shall have no other gods before me. Does that mean I should test some of them out? Just so I can come back and say, hey, Pops, you're right. Those other gods out there suck. Suck. So the Ten Commandments starts off with a fizzle. Uh, did you remember the movie, the Star Trek movie? Maybe you're not into Star Trek. It's an old movie anyway. But in this movie, the Enterprise, the, the, the ship that flies through space, is chasing this character who claims to be God, and they arrive at this undiscovered country or whatever, and this character, speaking with a deep, billowing voice, demands that they turn their spaceship over to him. At this point, Captain Kirk pauses and he steps forward and out of his comic genius says, Why does God need a spaceship? (laughs) No kidding. Why is God so insecure that he must mention other gods who don't exist If what he's saying is true, why is he insecure about other gods? So who in the hell is God? That's poor phrasing too. As for me, did you hear that? From my perspective, God is human. You see, I have lots of proof. The word became flesh is what it says. Whenever you do this kindness under the least of these, Jesus said, you've done it unto me. How can you love God whom you can't see if you don't love your brothers and sisters whom you can said the apostle John? You are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. So here's how I got it figured. I'm not going to follow a God who begins his ten commandments by warning me out of his insecurity against other gods, which he says aren't supposed to even exist. Why does God need a spaceship? (laughs) Why does he need to worry about other gods? To me, God is human. When I treat other humans with the dignity and mercy that I want for myself, I don't have to worry about God. I don't have to sing praise songs unless I want to. I don't have to worship in a church unless I got a Sunday off. When I treat his creation with dignity and love, I have God covered. How do I know? As for me, long before the Ten Commandments, there was Genesis, the first chapter, where it says Clearly, God created man in his image. So if I'm looking for an image for some sort of representation, a first-hand example of God, it's sitting right next to me. It's driving on the freeway in those cars that surround me. And if I treat human beings like shit, I'm told that I'm throwing feces at God. So you can use all your fancy names and you can try to support a God who is so insecure that he has to put down his competitors, even though they don't even exist. Or you can look across the way at the next human being and realize that you're staring into the face of God. The good news is the Ten Commandments are suspicious because they cover more negative than positive. And the better news is, for me, I will treat humans well and know that in doing so, I've touched the heart of God. That's it for today. Stay tuned next week when we will gather once again and find ways to put the pin back in the grenade. Be sure to subscribe and follow us on social media and at goodnewsandbetternews.com.